This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and crazy cat lover. Today is an important day because I have Dr. Renee Schmid with me. She is a veterinary toxicologist, and so she is going to share with us the top 10 toxins for cats and how to make your home be safer. So we'll be right back after a quick break. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray. Or worrying, oh my God, do my guests smell that? No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Go to kittypooclub.com and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code MEOW30 at checkout, and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I have Dr. Renee Schmidt with me. Hi, Dr. Schmidt. Hi, how are you? I am well. I am so excited to talk with you today because you're just an impressive person and I love what you do and I want to pick your brain about these toxins in cats and how to keep my listeners' cats safer. But tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, you bet. So I started out in small animal general practice and also did emergency work. And I've been with Safety Call International or Pet Poison Helpline for the last 10 years. And I strictly consult on toxicology. The majority of our cases are dogs and cats, but we do consult with any species of animal that's out there. And I talk with veterinarians about how to treat patients that have been poisoned by different toxins, either medications in the household, plants, chemicals, you name it. And we helped them to decide what's, if it's going to be problematic or not, what the issues are potentially going to be, and then how best to treat that patient. Well, I love that. I've definitely taken advantage of your service, and, and we can certainly get back to that. But I want to jump right in because you actually have kind of a list of the, the top things that are a risk to cats. Can we just jump right into that? Yeah, you bet. Um, it's the number one thing that I always like to talk about with cats, and it's been our number one toxin that cats have been exposed to for many years now, and that's lilies. And I love talking about lilies because there's a lot of misconceptions about lilies. There are many plants that have lily in the name, but they're not a true lily themselves, meaning they're not of the lilium genus or the hemerocallus genus. And so putting those more into our everyday public terms, those would be your day lilies, your tiger lilies, oriental lilies, Asiatic lilies. Those are kind of those large lilies that get put into a lot of the fresh cut bouquets or you might see around in different landscaping areas. Those are extremely toxic to cats and they can cause kidney failure to occur. 
I always like to talk about those particular lilies because there's also other plants with lilies in their name. Peruvian lily, that's a really common one, uh, the Austromeria genus. And that is very common also in fresh cut bouquets because it's a nice filler. It's pretty inexpensive. They live a long time after they've been cut. They look very similar to a true lily, only they're much smaller in size. And those fortunately are not problematic. They just might cause some mild stomach upset. And then you think about other lilies that are other plants that have lilies in the name, peace lily, calla lily, lily of the valley. Uh, those types of plants actually have completely different potential concerns with them too. So it's really our main ones are those true lilies that are in the lilium or hemeropalis genus. So you said that um, these are like Asiatic lilies and daylilies? Yes. Yep. You got it. So daylilies are hemerocallus. We don't often see those in fresh cut bouquets, but definitely, especially this time of year, they're a very common landscaping plants for people to have around their house or in you know businesses to have that. The other types of lilies, definitely you can see them in the landscaping, but probably the most common exposure for cats is when somebody gets a bouquet of flowers and those lilies are in there. So the ones that you're talking about, just this is um, this is audio. The ones that you're talking about are the yellow and orangey looking ones. Is that right? Yeah, they can be yellow or orange. They can be white. Easter lilies, if you think about Easter lilies, those are in those families too. They're pretty large. I often think of them almost being the size of maybe the palm of your hand of a standard, you know, average person's hand. And they can be yeah, yellow, orange, pink, white, just a about uh, there are some red ones. The tiger lilies are kind of a bright, burnt, orangish red almost as well. They are they are beautiful, but they are dangerous. So, what do you see first, or when should my listeners be concerned and need to contact their veterinarian? Yeah. So, any time that an animal's had even a small exposure to these types of lilies, so perhaps the owner comes home from work or being gone for the day. And they come home and they notice that their cat has pollen, yellow or orange pollen on them. That would be likely from, you know, from those lilies and those lilies are in the household. And even that, every part of that plant is toxic, unfortunately, even potentially the water that that plant is sitting in, those fresh cut flowers are sitting in. And so if they notice that any portion of that plant has been nibbled on or missing some pieces of the petal or the leaves, or again, there's they notice pollen on their cat's face, we'll often get photos of owners who have taken pictures of their cats and their, their face and their chest are just you know, bright yellow, bright orange from that pollen. And it, anything like that out of the ordinary is something that I would definitely encourage the owner to contact the veterinarian for. Okay. So if my listeners get a bouquet of fresh flowers, they should probably stop and think about it before they bring it into their house, right? For sure. Definitely. And I always encourage people, if you're going to send flowers to someone and you know that they have a cat in the household, to definitely be sure and ask that florist to avoid any type of lily that could be in there to be to avoid any problematic um, cases. 
Okay, so I'm assuming that florists have also heard of this and maybe you're on our Save the Cat team on this. Yeah, a lot of florists have heard of it, but surprisingly, it they often don't ask, are there cats in the household before they send something? We have found some florists that, that aren't aware. We do encourage them to utilize. We have a campaign that's called No Lilies for Kitties. You can get on the website, noliliesforkitties.com and find different safer alternatives uh, than using lilies. And what we would love to see is for all florists to ask, are there lilies, you know, are there cats in the household before taking lilies in? But many of them just don't, they don't think about it in the hustle bustle of the day. Okay, well, excellent. All right, what do you think the next one would be? So the next one is chocolate which is always the number one toxin for dogs, but it comes in number two for cats. And cats, while they're a little bit more um, distinctive, I guess I would say, or not as they're a little bit more, uh, they, they like to look at different things that they're, that they're putting in their mouths a little bit more carefully than what dogs do. But uh, cats still get into a large amount of chocolate and they do enjoy it. With their small size, they certainly don't need to get into as much as a Labrador would or a Cocker Spaniel would. And so ingesting a small amount of chocolate could potentially be problematic for these guys. Okay. Well, you know what? I like to say cats are too smart to do that, but I guess I guess they're maybe they're not. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just being a cat person. I don't know. So if one of my listeners happened to notice that the cat had gotten into some chocolate, what are some tips or some advice that you might provide for what to do? Yeah, it's a good question. So definitely with cats, there isn't anything we can safely do at home to try to induce vomiting or get any of that product back. And so I would certainly just say, don't try to do self-treatment without talking with a veterinarian first. And depending on the type of chocolate, so milk chocolate has a lower amount of the toxic component, which is called theobromine, has a lower amount versus a baker's chocolate or a high concentrated dark chocolate. So it really kind of depends on which type of chocolate they get into. But I would encourage them to contact their veterinarian. They can always contact Pet Poison Helpline as well. And we can do calculations to determine, is this even going to be a problem for their cat? If it is, they generally are going to need veterinary care. But in a lot of cases, they may just be able to be monitored at home. And the owner can watch for vomiting, loose stool, a decrease in appetite, and maybe a little bit of agitation or anxiousness. So they're really a little bit restless and, and not able to just kind of relax and do those calm things around the house that cats usually enjoy doing. So my advice, I guess, would be to call and not wait until your cat definitely has a problem. Just be safe instead of sorry. Okay, so let's take a quick break and come back and finish up with the top toxins for cats. We'll be right back. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray. Or worrying, oh my God, do my guests smell that? Kitty Poo Club has solved the stink. And now the worst part of cat ownership is hassle-free. No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. 
And the best thing is you don't have to buy some oversized contraption that will break down. Kitty Poo Club litter boxes are manufactured to make your life easier. You have one cat, easy peasy. A small mountain lion, no problem. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Believe me, there are good reasons why we sold over 3 million boxes. Go to kittypooclub.com, read the amazing reviews, and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com, use code MEOW30 at checkout, and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Dr. Renee Schmidt and I are talking. She is a veterinary toxicologist, and we're talking about the top toxins in cats. And we want to also make sure that all of my listeners know how to keep their homes safe. So, okay, what's up next? All right. So the third top toxin in cats is antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. And this is something that a lot of people, it's just human nature for us to maybe set our medication on a nightstand or a, or a bathroom counter or a kitchen counter, walk away to get something to drink or to do something different and come back. And then lo and behold, that medication is gone and the cat has been up there either playing with it where maybe they've knocked it down where the owner can't find it or they've ingested it. And cats, while you mentioned earlier, you know, they're just smarter than that to get into things, which I would say is quite true in the sense that we have a far more number of dogs getting into things than cats. But for some reason, cats really love the taste of some of these medications and the SSRIs, so fluoxetine or Prozac, sertraline or Zoloft, for some reason, cats love the taste of these and they really are drawn to probably the the scent of it first and really enjoy the taste. And so we have a lot of cats getting into these things and these can cause um, significant stimulation in cats. And so they're really kind of bouncing off the walls, um, similar to chocolate, but sometimes in even more severe forms. Wow, that is really interesting. I wouldn't have thought a cat would like the taste of medications, but you know what? That's why you're here, right? (laughs) That's Um, right. (laughs) Okay, so what's next? Um, Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen is a big one just because it's in almost every household and it's so readily available for cats to get into. Ibuprofen can be in the liquid form, the tablet form, and these cats really have a high exposure to that. We can see kidney failure and stomach ulcerations developing from that at really low doses. Cats need a specific ability to metabolize medications in a certain way. And they don't have that ability the way same way dogs do. And so an extremely low amount of ibuprofen can be very problematic for cats. Okay, so what can we do? I guess we probably need to not set our medications out knowing that our cats are curious and interested in that, right? Correct. What I recommend is always keeping your medications in a closed container until you are actively ready to take that medication Don't take it out of that container and set it down and get distracted and doing something different. I also recommend keeping your medication stored behind a closed door. 
So that being up in a cabinet or in a drawer, somewhere where there's a little bit more of a barrier between the, the medication bottle and the pet. And then I also recommend ideally taking the medication in a closed room where the pet isn't at the time. And so I'm a fan of taking medication in the bathroom with the door shut, all of the animals are out. That way, in case you do accidentally drop the medication or something happens and you have to, you can't take that medication right away, it's there, it's a safe area. The pets are safe from not being able to get into it. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've seen pets that just grabbed the medication when the owner dropped it. So that is really good advice, closed up in the bathroom to take it. Okay, so what's next? Okay, so next number four on the list is onions. And I'll combine that with onions and garlic. Garlic made our number nine slot, but they have the same issues. Onions and garlic, a lot of people don't think about that very much. Uh, One of the things... uh, especially this time of year in the garden where a lot of people are growing onions. We grow onions in our garden and we have built a fence around because we do have cats that like to be outside. So we have built a fence around our onion patch so that the cats don't get in there. Onions and garlic, very small margin of safety in cats can cause some destruction of their red blood cells. And so a pet owner might see that they're vomiting They might be really sluggish or lethargic, so they're just kind of weak. They don't have a lot of energy, and that would be a sign that they may be getting some low red blood cells because of that destruction. So is it so bad that if my listeners are feeding their cat something like French onion soup or something like that, is it that toxic that they need to avoid doing that? I typically recommend avoiding it altogether as much as possible when we think about Depending on the type, if it's cooked onion and from a fresh full onion, it doesn't, it still has a fair amount of kind of water content that's in there. If you look at onion powder, minced or dried onions, it condenses that so significantly or concentrates it that a very, very small amount would be necessary for a cat. So I always recommend just avoiding anything with onion or garlic for cats. Good advice. Okay. All right. What's next? Vitamin D3. So vitamin D3 or cholecalciferol. Vitamin D3 is a really common supplement for humans to take. Cholecalciferol is another name for it, which is also in different rodenticides. So mouse and rat baits that may be placed around the house or the perimeter of the area. And this causes high calcium levels, which then causes a mineralization or calcification of different organs. The kidneys are extremely sensitive to that. And so that can cause them to have kidney failure develop. Okay. So in those cases, is it another dropped medication that the cat just grabs or or another way? Yeah. So probably the dropped medication is pretty common. And then the other one that's probably either the most common or maybe even a little very similar would be that getting into that rat and mouse bait. The cholecalciferol amount that's in or vitamin D3 that's in these baits, a cat just needs to eat a very minuscule amount, like even just one or two grams, which to put it into context would be one or two M&Ms worth of this finished bait product to potentially have a problem. 
And so if you do have cats in your household, as you probably do on this uh, listening here, and you have a mouse issue where you're needing to use some type of a rodenticide or a bait for that, I would highly avoid, recommend avoiding anything that has coli, it'll say cholecalciferol as its active ingredient because of its extreme narrow margin of safety in cats. Okay, so what is next? All right, so amphetamines, amphetamine combo. So your, your stimulants, your Adderall, your ADHD medications, cats also enjoy the taste of those. And it's also another kind of surprise because as you said, cats don't often get into medications, but these um, what I call kind of psychotropic or psychiatric medications, for some reason, they're just, there's just a, a good enough scent and flavor that really gets these cats interested. Okay, so more of the same advice of being in the bathroom and closing the door. Okay, so where are we in our list? <laughs> All right, so we're on number <laughs> we're on number eight, which would be pothos and devil's ivy. So these are very common house plants, and you can think about um, like diffenbachia and dumb cane. Those fall into that list as well. And these plants, while they are considered toxic, fortunately, they don't have the concern that lilies do. If an animal were to get into these and bite the, bite the leaves, bite the stems, chew on them, they have these tiny little spikes or crystals that are called raphides in them. And they're really kind of, they're neat in the sense that they somewhat are protective for the plant because when the animal starts to bite and chew on them, they get these little spikes or crystals that kind of um, shoot into the animal's mouth and cause localized pain, pain and irritation. We don't see actual organ damage or anything like that, but your cat may drool, may you know, kind of really start to shake its head, paw at its mouth because it doesn't like the, the feeling that's there with that. When this happens, typically we just want to rinse out the mouth or take a, a wet washcloth or paper towel and try to wipe out the mouth as best you can, or maybe put a little bit of tuna juice into some water to stimulate the cat to drink a little bit, just to get all this out and dilute the mouth out. So these plants are the ones that kind of have like speckled leaves and they, they are pretty easy to grow. So I think they're really common. Is that right? Correct. Okay, so we're on number nine. We're going down the home stretch here. What's next? We are. So number nine was garlic, and we covered that with onions. And so number 10, which made a surprising addition uh, last year, is carprofen. And carprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory that's used in dogs. It's not a human medication. And I'm not sure if with the pandemic and people being home more, they notice more things as far as their animals being painful or, or arthritic. They don't have a good answer for why carprofen made the list. I don't know. We haven't contacted the company to find out if they're just, if they're selling it more, but cats and dogs both actually made carprofen in the top 10 this year. And carprofen is very similar to ibuprofen in the sense that we can see um, stomach ulceration. And we can also see kidney failure developing. Cats need that same metabolizing or that breakdown, that medication breakdown process that they would need for ibuprofen. 
And again, they just don't do that very well. And so a very small amount of carprofen is necessary to, to cause issues. The one difference with carprofen and ibuprofen is that with it being for intended for dogs, most of them are available in a flavored chewable tablet. And so that kind of increases the, the desire to eat it a little bit. Sometimes an animal or a dog might, uh, the owner might have put it in their food bowl and then the dog ate around it and left the medication, or maybe the dog took it and it fell out of its mouth and the cat, if it's, it's you know, that, that dog's best friend is right there and helps them clean it up a little bit. Yeah, I was wondering because those smell, I don't know, like appetizing sort of. I mean, not to me, but yeah, yeah I was <laughs> <That's> wondering. <right. laughs> I was but wondering. for animals, they sure do. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, all right. Is that it? Did we do 10? I lost We track. did 10. Yeah, yes. we knocked 10 out. Done. Okay. So, I want to kind of explain to my listeners, though, how they reach out to the Pet Poison Helpline and make sure that they understand that's a resource for them as well. Yeah. Thank you for that. So Pet Poison Helpline, we're a 24 hour, seven day a week. We never close, always open animal poison control center. So all we do is animal animals that have gotten into something that they shouldn't have. And we are staffed with veterinary technicians as well as veterinarians. And the number to reach us at is 1-800-213- 6680. There is a fee for a case. Um, it does include that one-time case fee, includes all the follow-ups that may be necessary for that particular case to make sure that your pet gets home safely and healthy again. And so what that includes is that initial consult with you as the owner and our veterinary technician staff to decide is this problematic or not. If so, what needs to be done? If they need to go into the veterinarian, then that includes all the follow-up calls with the veterinary clinic. And if you think about poisonings, a lot of veterinarians, at least when I was in practice for 13 years in practice, I didn't see a lot of toxicity cases. I didn't see a lot of poisonings. But we have, we are in all of North America and um, in other countries as well. And so we bring, so we see you know, thousands of, of cases have the same thing. And so we have a lot of database and a lot of veterinarians aren't sure how to treat the different types of poisonings because they haven't seen it before. And so we really like to be that resource and that partnership for that clinic so that we can provide them the best, most accurate treatment advice for those animals that they're treating. Yes, I know that all of my listeners think that their veterinarians just know everything, but I hear things that I have never heard <laughs> before all the time. And, and this resource is valuable to me. So 1-800-213-6680, right? You got it. Yep. And uh, you can also look us up on our website, which is just uh, petpoisonhelpline.com. There are a lot of resources for pet owners there. We have a poisons list. And so if there's a particular medication or chemical um, a plant, then you can plug that in and see what, you know, what we have if it's potentially problematic or not. We also have a, a platform that's really neat. It's called Toxin Trends. And you can click on that and it lists the top, I think 30 toxins for each individual state. And so you may live in a state, maybe you're in a Southern region and Arizona, for example, 
oleander plants is very common, a very common exposure in, in Arizona, but certainly not very common in Minnesota or North Dakota. And so you can look at those uh, different kind of things that are in your, in your state or a little bit more common in your area. That is really, really a good resource, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. So I guess we could say your best advice from all of these things is lots of things, but talk to your florist before you send a bouquet to a cat-owning friend. Lock yourself in the bathroom when you're taking medication so you don't get distracted. What else did you say? Yeah. The other thing that I would just mention probably when, when cooking when you're cooking things, you know, your, your cats love to be a part. I know that our, we have one particular cat that really doesn't care about what's happening in the household. And we have another one who wants to be right with you for every single thing you're doing. And so if you're cooking and you're using onions or garlic, just make sure that they are, that they're away from that, that you're not leaving that sitting out where they can go in and start chewing on any of that gardening as well. You know, if you have a cat that likes to spend some time outdoors, fence off that area if you're going to be using, if you're going to be growing any type of onion product. The other thing that I didn't mention, but I would like to, if we have a moment, is just if you're traveling or if you have guests coming to your house, we get many, many calls, especially around the summertime and different holidays where people are traveling more. I'm certainly, um, I'm certainly guilty of doing it. I put my I put my vitamins in a baggie so I don't have to, to take the whole bottle when I'm leaving and going out of town. And you may have people who are visiting you. They're not used to having animals around. They have that baggie of medication. They've left it either in their purse or in their suitcase on the floor. And then the cat has had access to it. And so I would just encourage you to talk with your guests if you are having somebody come over to really ask, you know, do you have any medications? If you do, let's put it up here. Let's put it up in the cabinet. Let's put it up somewhere where the pet can't have access to it. Great advice and never underestimate a cat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. This was a really helpful episode. So awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Also, I want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, because without him, this show would not be. So all of my listeners, thank you for always being here and supporting Nine Lives with Dr. Cat the way you always do. Go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLightRadio.com.